The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. A man with a very Irish name has been making lots of headlines in England this week. He's the Rail Workers Union boss who has appeared on multiple TV shows, including the Question Time on BBC television last night. Following encounters with the likes of Kay Burley and Richard Maidley and Piers Morgan, let's just hear some of Mick Lynch's encounters. The government is saying that they are going to bring in agency workers. My question to you is, I'm guessing that some of your members will still stay on the picket lines. What will they do if agency workers try to cross those picket lines? Well, we will picket them. What do you think we'll do? we run a picket line and we'll ask them not to go to work. Do you not know how a picket line works? What do they do anyway? Ms Lynch, I'm sorry if you feel the need to ridicule me, but I'm just asking you what you expect your members to do. But your questions are emerging into the nonsense. I'm asking you... as effectively as we can. And what does that involve? Look, there it is. That's what it involves. So you won't stop stop agency workers crossing the picket line? We will try to stop agency workers crossing the picket line by asking them not to go to work. What is it you're suggesting we will do? Uh, You've been accused severally in the last few weeks of being a Marxist. It happened again last night. Uh, A backbench Tory MP said you were a Marxist with no interest in anything other than trying to tear down the government. Now, are you or are you not a Marxist? Because if you are a Marxist, then you're into revolution and into bringing down capitalism. So, are you or aren't you? Richard, you do come up with the most remarkable twaddle sometimes. Why don't you just confirm or deny if this is your Facebook page? It's a picture yes, of, can you a see picture the of the hood from Thunderbirds. Can you see the likeness? Well, I'm just wondering where the comparison goes, because he was obviously <laughs> an evil criminal terrorist mastermind uh, described as the world's most dangerous man who reads on the public. Is that the level you're pitching this at, Piers? That is a joke amongst me and my friends. He's the most evil puppet made out of vinyl in the world. Is that the level journalism's at these days? <laughs> Railway Union boss Mick Lynch, and as one listener says, he's brilliant. Loads of them on social media. That's why we're talking about him. It's the week trending. Uh, we're going to start with Dave Hanretti from Joe.ie in the Encore podcast. And I suppose in the spirit of that, the first thing I have to ask you, Dave Hanretti, are you a Marxist or are you not a Marxist? I could never say such a thing on national radio, Matt. I'm, I'm appalled at the suggestion. But uh, in fairness, you can hear it there in my voice. I'm not handling it as coolly as this guy does. This is unbelievable. Who knew that we had such a rock star in our midst? Uh, trade union boss. Like, the start of the week, if you had told me that everyone would be so enamoured by this guy who's seemingly come out of the shadows, and all he's done is answer questions in a, you know, a forthright way and hasn't really bowed to weird tabloid pressure in front of him. That montage there, like that was like this stunning mosaic of the worst of UK tabloid journalism all rolled into one. I can't decide between Burley, Maidley and Morgan who made the bigger fool of themselves. And meanwhile, Mick Lynch's star is just ascending. It's been quite the few days. Nick Ferrari, when he was on with us the other day, said it has not been the finest hours of many of my broadcasting colleagues. He was quite clear that he was a bit taken aback as well by how they seemed to make assumptions that the public would hate trade unions and would automatically be against those who inconvenience them by going on strike, seemingly thinking that the public would be unable to make a distinction between a just strike and one that was bordering on selfishness. I mean, you're definitely going to have situations where people are directly affected and that will be a problem. But at the same time, yeah, no, there is. There, there seems like some kind of weird coordinated campaign here. Um, and again, like I, the Kay Burley one was the first one to surface. It was the first one that we probably all saw, I think, on Tuesday morning, possibly. 
And again, it was just like, it was so, he, he used the word surreal, and it was. It was this standard, like, I love when this happens. I love when live, you know, television reports just descend into chaos. And Kate Burley really, like, it, it seemed like she just decided on this narrative and wasn't going to let it go. And he was just standing there reasonably being like, well, this is what a picket looks like. There's not, it's not going to get out of hand. And she's like, oh, yeah, go on, you can, you can ridicule me. And he's like, I, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to answer these questions. Um, and then, yeah, she was he, always trying to provoke him to say, oh, we will stand in the way of people. We will physically stop scabs yeah and like he was being again incredibly reasonable he's saying like we're going to ask people if they would prefer to take up this stance instead that's that's what the point of this is we're not trying to cause public chaos but again it just escalated and i mean it's such a weird place for this guy to be because you got to think that given his position as a trade union boss he doesn't want to be the star of the show but he very much is well, we'll be getting back later to the political situation in Britain with Boris Johnson, with Nick Ferrari in the, later in the programme. <laughs> Here's one for Katrina. It says, Mick Lynch is my new Tony Holohan. He's kryptonite to all the Trump BJ bullshit, says Katrina. Let's move to Spain and uh, tell me uh, what the Spanish city of Vigo is doing. Uh, it's going to introduce a 750 euro fine if you feel the call of the wild while you're out in the water. If you need to go to the bathroom while you're in the sea, don't do it. I mean, you shouldn't do it anyway, should you? It's not the most hygienic thing of all time, but uh, it looks like they're going to crack down on this. How? How will <laughs> they actually be able to work out if somebody has decided uh, to follow a call of nature while in the swimming water. To be fair, this is the exact problem, isn't it? How do you police something like this? I mean, is this just to generate headlines and kind of raise awareness? Although I'm not quite sure what you want to raise the awareness for. They haven't worked that part out because, of course, they haven't worked that part out. This feels to me like it's just a thing that just leaked somewhere. Oh, ironic. Uh, hey, listen, it's Friday. But no, um, I don't really see how you can enforce it. And again, like not to get into the nitty gritty here, but what if someone has a medical condition or just couldn't help it? You know, I mean, are you really going to... children do it. Yeah. I mean, again, wrong. Don't do it, kids. But there's a difference between, presumably as well, doing it in the sea where there's an enormous mass of water or doing it as perhaps happens in a swimming pool. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, like, like, where do you draw the line, like, at this stage? I mean, I, I feel like it's part of trying to curb antisocial behavior as well in a weird way, because there's, you know, you, you kind of look around at other cities, who, like, who have different laws about not wearing, like, not going topless down the road, you know, like, if you're allowed, you can't just wear shorts, that's a 300 euro fine. Whose job is it? Like, is that your job for the week? You're like, well, I'm, I'll see ya, I'm, I'm out now, I'm going to just harass people on the street for being half naked. I mean, it's a living, I suppose. All right, we're going to take a break and come back with loads more in the week trending. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Dave Hanratty from the No Encore podcast is still with us. For John Brianna Parkins, journalist with the journal.ie for the week trending. And as it happens, one of the things that we had decided to discuss was how Lonely Planet is warning tourists about the nightmare of visiting Dublin. Included in that list, Brianna, is there anything about the difficulty in getting a taxi? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of breath because I've just sprinted across Dublin because I could not get a taxi. Um, it's, you know, it's one of those articles where people get quite defensive, like, you know, Dublin's a great city. But then these these problems that are affecting tourists are problems that are also affecting Irish people. I mean, the, the price of hotels, for I think for the average summer, they're looking at 700 to 900 euros for the weekend for two people. Now, we know that the Kerry team had to go back that day because they would, I think they were quoted something ridiculous, like 13,000 um, for, for hotel rooms that night. So these are problems that are just not affecting tourists. They're problems that affect all of us. Yeah, because I saw a lot of people the other day had some of their 
your enjoyment of the Niall Horan or not Niall Horan um, what's your man not the other One Direction guy Harry, Harry Styles, Styles the Harry Styles <laughs> concert at Lansdowne Road because of the fact that they were having to spend three or four or five hundred euro in a hotel room if they were travelling from Dublin and couldn't get back that evening but Dublin's been like this for a long time. Like I remember in 2016, my parents visited. It's the reason my parents haven't come in the summer, basically. They couldn't get anywhere to stay for, for a decent amount of money. Um, just seems to be that, you know, I think occupancy rates were 38% last year. So I don't know whether this is actually inflation or hotels having to make back what they lost. Jeff Henry, what else are Lonely Planet saying? Uh, well, I should say, I mean, one thing I love about any time Lonely Planet is quoted in anything, and I'm guilty of this myself, it's always referred to as travel Bible. It's always the travel Bible. This is just the, the nomenclature that we must adhere to. We didn't say that, Dave, until you said <laughs> well, it. Well, <laughs> someone had to say it, okay? Like, it's like some weird curse, you know? Um, well, they've said, like, the weird thing about this, if I, uh, I could be wrong on this, but I do think that this is like a, an update of an article that ran a few months ago, and now it's like, Ireland's had lots of problems the last few months, let's add them in. And it's basically going through, yeah, taxis is a huge element of this. I mean, Dublin Airport chaos lack of accommodation and just it's a strange thing because Ireland tends to usually do quite well in these things it's usually seen as this kind of incredible wonderful magical kingdom to go to and it's 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 a bad look like to, to put it bluntly for a travel bible like Lonely Planet to kind of say actually uh, it's falling behind a lot of key areas the capital in particular but it's not surprising and of course what, what have we been talking about for years how it's just hotel after hotel new building after new building and now it's like, well, people now might not want to come here. So, like, the planning has been absolutely backwards on this. We do think we don't have enough hotel rooms. That is, or else we wouldn't have the prices that we have. Yeah, so I mean, like, someone has messed up hugely, like, at, at some point. And yeah, so with, between the erosion of cultural spaces and not actually managing the one thing that I seem that you're on top of, literally on top of, now we're in huge trouble, essentially, going forward. I mean, like, look, this could be a throwaway thing. People will still be attracted to the romance and the magic of this country that exists for years, but it is structurally completely askew. I'm trying to use my words here carefully because we're on national radio during the day, but it's bad. I think we can all agree it's pretty bad at the moment. Yeah, do we have enough cultural attractions here, Brianna? I mean, we like talking ourselves up, other than the pub. Yeah, like Bloomsday, everyone was asking me, are you going to Bloomsday? I said, no, I'm Australian, we don't like culture. Like, not my thing. Um, but it is very difficult for non-drinkers. Uh, and I'm from I'm from Sydney, Sydney, big city, and there was always places to go at night, late night cafes. There were Chinese restaurants open till 3am in the morning, and they were packed because people would come out of pubs and bars, or the other wait staff would come and eat there. You can't get dinner here after 10pm. It's really, really rare to be able to order food late at night. Yeah, so that's like... become a relatively recent thing. It used okay. to be possible possible up until about four or five years ago to enjoy going out late in the evening. Now, you're right, restaurants are seem to be shutting down at 10 or 11 in the evening. It's ridiculous. There's really, really limits your options to do. Like, you just have to drink in the pub. That's it. There's nothing else. Um, and also, like, you're trying to look at Dublin from the, the eyes of an outsider. I love Dublin. I live here. Um, I choose to live here, but I love it because I think it's the people. It's knowing that I can walk out and not make any plans and they'll be I'll bump into someone, we'll go to a pub, I'll see other friends in another pub. So all those things that we love about it, tourists don't get. They just see the, the streets, which can be very dirty. They see a homeless problem. They see pints being, they're being gouged for pint prices in, in Temple Bar. They're getting the worst of it. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if there was a massive decrease in the tourist trade because it does seem to just still be this weird, huge catchment area for people who want to come here who've never been here, but articles like this absolutely will not help one bit whatsoever. The whole country has known what Dublin is like, only a matter of time before everyone else outside Dublin figured it out. An inevitable, unfortunately. Another one says, tried to book a hotel room for Saturday the 3rd of July in Dublin, quote, of €500 for the room. Absolutely crazy. But it wasn't even that nice either. Like three-star hotels are getting really expensive here. But surely in the long run, 
if hotels get a reputation for doing that, they won't have anyone coming unless they drop the price dramatically. It's short-sighted, surely. It's a necessity. Like, people still going to come up to, to watch matches in Croke Park. People will still come up for weddings and all that kind of thing. They've got them over a barrel. Okay, let's move on. And uh, Dave, what's this about um, Alexa speaking to you in the voice of a dead relative? Yeah, this isn't cool, is it? Um, Amazon had this massive kind of, I guess, in- industry conference this week amongst their kind of staff talking about the future of artificial intelligence and machine learning. And they've got this new gimmick coming up. It's not out just yet, but they're working on it. And they say it's kind of getting, it's, it's getting over the line. If you have an Alexa, as lots of people do, uh, what they want to do is they want to develop a situation where if you take a voice recording of someone that you know, and in this case, the example that they used was a deceased relative, a grandmother, reading a bedtime story to their grandson. Essentially, they can reprogram this and make it do more things. I say it because it's not a person, is it? But there was, you know, this minute long audio was kind of put together, sounding like a person who is no longer with us. And they're like, you know, keep your loved one alive with the Alexa. This, this is, it's a Black Mirror episode to use an obvious kind well, of reference on, point. This but, reminds me, isn't there an ad on television at the moment of somebody cooking a leg of lamb using a cassette <laughs> of his mother reading the recipe Yes, there to is. Him. And the first time I saw that, I w- could not believe what I was seeing. But at least they're using a cassette player. You know, like that's kind of, it's still creepy and strange. But again, slight romance there. But no, this is the future. I mean, there was a, th- a story recently about a, was it a Google tech employee who essentially was working on AI and the robot communicated with him and essentially said, I don't want to be shut down. Please don't shut me down. Like, this is, this is the future that we're having. Like, like I, I just don't know. So get really <laughs> dystopian. So maybe in the future, that artificial intelligence bot, which has taken on the voice of a dead person, could then suddenly start telling you that they don't want to be shut down, that they're really still alive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, like we're, we're straight into a Stephen King novel here. Yeah, yeah, big big no thanks. And I will say that everyone I know who works in, in tech, particularly on like the security side or, you know, uh, basically designing systems that people can't hack into, they do not have technology in their homes. Nothing is automated. They hate the Internet of Things. They don't even have iPhones, a lot of them. So that makes me think that they know something that I don't know. Even when you see those photographs from years ago of like Mark Zuckerberg standing in an office and, you know, the webcam, or, like the camera is like he's got the blue tack over it or some kind of sticker. What does that tell you? You know, <laughs> it's not it's not good. Okay, listener says, I read an article from a tourist on Reddit. He had a room booked in Dublin for four days since October, four days before he was due to arrive. Hotel cancelled on him and reissued the room at triple the price. He was not happy. I can imagine he wasn't happy. Somebody else says someone at work was quoted €200 for a room in a hostel that he would have been sharing with 33 other people. That's greedy. (laughs) It is greedy indeed. Okay, uh, let's move on. Um, What do you make of the story uh, during the week? Uh, Brianna, about uh, people complaining that 30 kilometres per hour speed limit in the Phoenix Park was damaging their cars. That's right. So Leo Varadkar and another um, another Dublin TD notified the OPW that they were getting letters from constituents. One of them said, my car literally can't drive at 30 kilometres an hour. The engine cuts out. That's very unusual. Are you just driving in like the wrong gear? Are you driving in the wrong speed for the wrong gear? That seems very unusual that a car can't drive at 30 kilometers an hour. They're saying it's causing um, engine wear. I really loved that one person wrote, they're like, oh, it's no longer a pleasant drive through the park. You're like, parks aren't for pleasant drives. 
They're but, for sitting and playing and, and eating and enjoying it. But Phoenix Park, though, is like again sold as one of the most picturesque places in the world. You know, like you can't find anything like this. I mean, the, the, the thing that struck out to me because I used to live quite near there for about three years, and the park during the pandemic was an incredible escape. It was actually just amazing to have it there. But at the same time, someone did say it's like an obstacle course. Now they're referring to driving on it, but even walking around it, they're always doing stuff. They're always doing new kind of roadworks, some of which seem kind of vaguely questionable. But yeah, I love that thing of my car can't possibly do this. You can't expect this thing that I paid fifty thousand euro for to drive at thirty miles an hour. Outrageous. I just think it's I'm the world's worst driver like the like it's just good for everyone that I'm off the road and I can drive my parents V8 high powered car at 10 kilometers an hour when I have to get it out of the driveway so I feel like a normal car can drive at 30 kilometers an hour. Okay, Brianna's correct, says listener. Later coffee shops, cafes, etc. should be encouraged. And Dublin may be the capital, but there's a full country to explore outside of the Temple Bar. In fact, there's quite a few people saying. Another one says the entire tourism industry is skewed towards Dublin. People flying into Dublin Airport and staying in hotels to bust down to the Cliffs of Moher, the Ring of Kerry, etc., rather than flying into Shannon or into Cork. Something we're going to be discussing in detail in the next hour, Brianna, is uh, the landmark announcement coming out of the U.S. Supreme Court in the last hour in relation to the famous Roe versus Wade abortion rights case, which has been overturned. Which I'm turning to you on because I think a lot of people came to know you from your initial appearance at the Rose of Chalee when you spoke about abortion on stage in a way that nobody had ever envisaged actually happening at the event. Uh, but as somebody who has a genuine interest in this, I mean, what do you make of the fact that now theoretically it's going to be easier to get an abortion in Ireland for a woman than in half of the United States? This is the thing, and this is when you know repeal happened and the campaign was won. And I was like, this is actually when the the real campaigning starts because it's very very difficult to maintain access and rights. There are still counties where there is no women can't get abortions. There's still you know it's very restrictive in terms of weeks. People are still having to go to England. You know, free, safe, and legal is is really difficult to maintain. And there's always someone pushing back. And just because you've won that right doesn't mean that it will stay there permanently. I mean, it's happened. We had. Abortion was legal in Australia for nearly a hundred years, but it was still under the criminal code. You still couldn't access it on public health. It took another hundred years of campaigning for it to actually work and be available to all women in Australia. So realistically, you know, Irish women have just started their battle. It's only been a few years on and things, you know, there's still no safe access zones. It's and in America, like you do see that pushback and the pushback won. It was, it was horrifying. We thought Roe v. Wade was it. That was carved in stone. It took, you know, one Supreme Court justice dying and being replaced with a conservative one to, to repeal it. Do you see, though, the potential that this will reopen the culture wars beyond the United States, that now people will see this as an opportunity in other countries, including Ireland, to push back against the decision that was made a number of years ago? Yeah, we're seeing that in South America where, where campaigns were kind of lit, like, Starting to convince the general population that yes, this was this was something that we should have, and you are seeing that pushback. I do like. I haven't seen too much from from the the pro life uh, campaigns in in Ireland. Doesn't seem to be the big regrouping and this big formation of community groups they had during the the repeal campaign. So I'm not sure that it will actually reignite. I think there's going to be some online chatter, but I'd be very surprised if any kind of big rallies were held. Could it be that here in Ireland now we're sort of in a different place to other countries, particularly the United States, which is now riven by cultural disputes about this and also things like trans identity and stuff, whereas for Ireland, most of it just goes, no, we're all right, leave it alone. 
I mean, you want to believe that Ireland is getting more and more progressive, but there's always going to be division. And like, it's interesting because like in the previous story talking about like, why is everyone so focused on Dublin? Fair point. Why is everyone so focused on America? Maybe also a fair point, but it is like, you know, it's a huge country. It tends to control the conversation that filters down through the rest of the world. And now we're in this kind of thing that I think we couldn't possibly fathom. It didn't, it's one of these things you sit there today, like seeing that news come through around three o'clock or whatever it was. And just even seeing the reaction on social media was like a weather forecast just turning, turning dark and turning ugly. And you can just see a lot of people already being very, very, very affected by this, and it's it, it, it is like a strange thing, akin to when Donald Trump was elected. You're like that couldn't possibly happen, but here it is, and it sends you and sends an awful lot of people, vulnerable people, a, a really, really distressing message. As for Ireland's kind of place in all of this. Again, like I say, with recent kind of, you know, public-led campaigns we've had here that have gone in a progressive way, you would hope that this won't be somehow the beginning of a turnaround because, again, you don't want to fathom that kind of scenario. Because one of the things that I'm going to be discussing, Mary McKeown, there is a suggestion that some of the justices on the Supreme Court think that this will open up other issues, even in relation to things like same-sex marriage, that an awful lot of the progressive laws that have been introduced in the United States and indeed in other countries, that in the US they may try and overturn them. Yeah, affirmative action is definitely at risk. Any kind of racial discrimination, any kind of laws against any discrimination is up for grabs. Um, kind of that, that rhetoric of things have gone too far. We can't say and do anything anymore. Let's take them out. Businesses shouldn't have to hire people on diversity. That's all stuff that is probably the, going to be the first to go. Funny how the loudest voices are the ones who are the people who say, we're not allowed to say anything. And yet they're shouting that with such regularity. <laughs> Thank you very much, Brianna Parkins and Dave Hanratty for being with us for the week trending. <laughs> The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here.